Hello and welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea where we cover each and every Prince album and more. And find the highs and lows. And find highs and lows and time capsules every other week with the exception of this week and some others. (laughs) It's a podcast without rules and I'm Josh. And I'm Christy. The only rule is that we cover Prince. That's right. We talk about the purple one and we are deep in the middle of the three disc stretch of Emancipation. We covered disc one over the course of the last two episodes. Well, for, for well, over yes. two episodes. Okay, I'm sorry. Skipping the one second challenge, which was That's right. sneakily inserted there over That's the right. 2022 holiday season. That's right. Speaking of the one second challenge, before we get into disc two of emancipation, I'd like to thank everybody who sent in requests for that Fun, fun episode, and it brought to light some connections that we made before, but neglected to mention during our first two episodes dedicated to emancipation. I can't even think of them now, so please (laughs) fill us all in. So right back here in my arms shares the same beat with the Good Life Bullets Go Bang remix. Which was part of the One Second Challenge. That's right, Right, but we didn't mention it when we talked about right back here in my arms. Correct. That's right. And then Two Nigs United for West Compton has a baritone sax that's very similar to that which we hear in We Gets Up. Which we also failed to mention when we covered We Gets Up. That's right. But we covered it when we talked about the Black Album. Right. Many, many, many Many moons ago. Many eons ago. Yes. All right. So I do know what those are because we did talk about them in our last episode, which is the one second challenge, which was inserted in the middle of our coverage of three discs of Emancipation. First two episodes covering disc one and then a bonus one second challenge episode shoved right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And now we move on to disc two of Emancipation. I think we're all caught up now. Perfect. I set up front a podcast with no rules. (laughs) I think you can see why. What the hell are we doing around here? I don't know. We have rules, but sometimes we break them. Right. And the reason we're breaking them for this episode is because each of these discs in their Egyptian pyramid perfection are (laughs) 60 minutes, 12 songs, which we felt was probably a little lengthy to dedicate just one episode to. We're splitting them in half, not by minutes, but by songs. Right. Because as perfect as they have been crafted... The first six songs and the last six songs do not measure 30 minutes exactly. They just happen to add up to an hour. Right. So that's why we're on to the first six tracks of disc two. Mm -hmm. We will hold off on our judgment of mountains, seas, and time capsules until we complete this disc so we can take it all in as it was meant to be heard, a single disc in a three-disc set. Mm -hmm. Or as Jay Leno once said, a 3D set. (laughs) <laughs> 3D set. He said it multiple times he did. when Prince was on promoting <gasps> Lotus Flower. New song off a 3D set available at Target. A 3D set. A 3D set. It was not a flat earth theory. <laughs> it was in every dimension. And that is a professional late night host, gang. It, I'm sure it was right on the cue card every single time. <laughs> Are we ready to dive in? We are. All right. Here we go. So, Sex in the Summer. The liner notes for this song, since they all have a little liner note, I'm including all of them in my particular notes. This joint features the ultrasound heartbeat of the first conceived to love symbol 
original title was Conception. It's strange that Maite isn't mentioned in the first Conceive 2. Uh-huh. It takes two to do this, right? Y- yes. So what gives? I think maybe what he's saying... I think maybe what he's trying to say, because it's not the first conceived to Prince and Maite. He's insinuating that there are no other children. There was no conceptions prior to this one that happened with this woman he would eventually be married to. Okay. Fair enough. I think that's maybe what he's trying to say. Because, you know, in the 80s and early 90s, it was a thing to accuse rock stars of being a parent when they were not sure so i think maybe that was a little bit of the situation why he wasn't mentioning her specifically he's trying to say look i've always taken care of my stuff (sighs) all right kept my kept my business under wraps (laughs) so to speak yes fair enough Mm -hmm. so most likely, I can't imagine that you're a Prince fan listening to a podcast like this and not know that the song features the ultrasound of their unborn child. Which is a very Prince thing to do, to be in a hospital, hear something and say, Ooh, I got to get a recording like a of that. Yes, yeah. we're going to include that in a song later. As tragic as it is now, it does make sense that it was never performed live. Right. And really never even mentioned, referred to again. Right. Which makes perfect sense. Yes. I had never read the Prince Vault page on the song before, so I did not realize that the drum fills, kind of the beat, Sex in the summer. is from a funkadelic song, Good Old Music. Mm-hmm. Slowed down a little bit, I think, from... I think so, yeah. When I went and compared it, it seemed a little slower, but lifted straight off of it. So it's just like, Prince is an incredible drummer. He's got other drummers hanging around, but this was just a time when he was going to sample stuff. Uh-huh. That's right. He, I think he had a felt like he had freedom to just do what he wanted without having to ask Warner Brothers any kind of permission. And so he just really took... A lot of... I assume he got permission from whoever (laughs) held the rights to good old or good old music. Uh Uh-huh. There's no guarantee of that. But at the same time... Yeah, they it seemed like there... I never didn't read that there was any kind of controversy about it. So either he got the rights or they didn't care. Yep. Probably true. Mm -hmm. Probably true. But also features Eric Leeds... And Rhonda Smith and Kat Dyson on part two, which I also had never really thought of this as being a two-part song. But sure, once you hear or read, there's a part two. Uh-huh. Kind of makes sense. Right. If it had been a single, I could have seen there being a part one, part two, two. Uh-huh. A and B side kind right. of thing. Mm. Mm. No, I just think it's a little, mm, it's a little sad. A little... There's some, it's such a like peppy and an interesting use of song for him to put his child's heartbeat in. Yeah, because it's not about <laughs> his love or, yeah, or monogamy. Uh, yeah, it's about going to the beach and, and having, s- a, having a choice. summer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's like the no ties, 
summer sex. Yeah, like having an, a heartbeat as a result of your encounter would probably not be your your first wish. No. If you were behaving as the lyrics encourage. Yeah. I mean, he says, give me that number, which if you just look at it as give me that number, it's like, hey, give me your number, baby. This is somebody he just met. Give me that number. Then, of course, he also says, oh, seven. Every time, which I always kind of feel like is a reference to seven from the love symbol. And maybe a little bit of a reference to Maite in that way. Maybe it's not just this playful summer. Maybe this playful summer is how in his, in the course of the story, he ends up meeting the love of his life. That seven is the number that he's given, not a phone number, because seven is this perfect relationship that he has imagined for himself. I can see that the way you describe it. I just always hear it. Give me that number all seven. Like there are oh. seven digits in a phone number. Oh. I thought, oh, seven. I didn't hear all seven, but I believe that makes sense. That's just what I've always heard. That doesn't mean it's correct. Huh? Well, now, not I, don't, in the now I don't, it's not in the lyric book and all I right. don't know. Now I don't know if it's, I always heard, oh, seven. But all seven makes sense as well, especially since at that time, if you were calling a local number, you only dialed the seven digits. Almost everywhere in the U.S. now you have to dial 10-digit phone numbers. Correct. I would not discount your interpretation at all. He certainly liked the number seven, Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, four years prior to this. That made it a connection, too, between Maite, the woman who is pregnant with the heartbeat that we hear yes yes undertone yes just realized in my notes that i spelled it heartbeat with two e's <laughs> heartbeat i just n- no beat has two e's <laughs> <laughs> it's much worse than that <laughs> your heartbeat <laughs> it's the red root vegetable in your heart yeah interesting it's like the shroot heart farm <laughs> All right, so we get the drum fill, and we get the chorus mm-hmm. right off the bat, so to speak. That's right. The, there's some bass underneath the chorus at the beginning that's nice and groovy, mm-hmm. according to what I wrote down here. Yes. Um, and it's interesting because it hardly at all bleeds into the left channel. It's almost entirely in the right channel. And it was a really nice listening experience in headphones, in stereo. Mm -hmm. Because if you pull out that right headphone, you hardly, hardly hear it at all. You don't get the bass at all. Interesting, because then later on here, uh-huh. After about 22 seconds, as the song takes off, I have a note to pay attention to the right channel because the rhythm guitar work is there, and it's all great. Yeah. But it's mostly panned to the right channel. Mm-hmm. I will say that as far as like mastering and mixing goes, that this whole 3D set, as we say, 
is really nice. It's uh-huh. not like super loud. It's not super thin. It has some bottom to it, right. but also some nice high trebly areas. And uh, this is kind of like this homegrown, self-produced opus. Uh-huh. So it could have, to me, turned into like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. But well, it's, he absolutely it's a nice knew listen. what he was doing. Yep. So. Yep. Totally no worries. Agree. Yep. He equates police to Satan. Policeman acting, yeah, you know, de-elevate a brother's high. It's got to be a reference. Gotcha. Policeman acting, yeah, you know, de-elevate a brother's high. The mama's... Almost a let's go crazy yeah. reference there. Yes. De-elevator. Yes. Mm-hmm. I hadn't caught that, even though I did know that it was, you know, when I first heard the song, I'm like, the Elevator Brothers High, what does that mean? <laughs> is there a doorman as part of this <laughs> summer sex experience? Mm-hmm. No. Get a funny little dirty bird moment. He wants a breeze to show a lady's unders. Yeah, looking for that Marilyn Monroe moment uh-huh. there on the That's lakes right. of Minnesota. <laughs> the mama's in the short dress. Yeah, so we get kind of this quick verse one, and then the second time we get the chorus. And maybe I'm too critical here, but the second time I hear the chorus, I don't expect to get these callbacks as if like everyone knows the words, and between every line, there's an ad lib like Sex in the Summer. Here we go. Getting it on. Oh, oh, oh. Give me that number. All seven. We can party all night long. Hey, hey. Checking for bikinis. Baby, baby. <laughs> Laying in the sand. Give it to me. Rub it like a genie. And there's like every line, there's this little like prince inserts himself oh. into the middle of every line of the chorus. And to me, it just seems a little too early for that. Oh, okay. That's just my opinion. There's sure. no written rule here. Sure. And this isn't an album about playing by rules. So right. that's fine. But as I was listening to it, I just thought, Wow, that's pretty confident to be calling back during the second chorus of the song. I think it's fun because it changes as the choruses go on. Yep. You get sometimes you get the same things, but sometimes you get the same things said in a different way. Sometimes you get different lyrics. I think it's very fun. Okay. I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm just saying it's a little early. Pace yourself. Yeah. As Prince would say, pace yourself. Yeah. We're 13 songs into this album. We are deep into the middle of Uh the album. That's right. So even Prince says everybody's got a black book. Like you said, in case of emergency, Uh like an emergency is I'm alone and I need to get it. Get some honeys. Uh Everybody's got a black book in case of emergency. I'm like, he's talking about a black book. In a mm-hmm. song with his baby's heartbeat. Yep. Is he assuming that his baby is going to be a player? I don't know. I don't know either. Or maybe it's just a a weird morphing of what it originally was into the song it is now. I'm not sure. Right. I do like at a minute and 45 seconds where we get the frontin' in the sun, jamming for the one lover that you want to take home. There are little guitar hits uh-huh. at a minute 45 a minute 47, a minute 49, just this bleep, quick little thing. Uh-huh. All the pretty moves you make, 
Fronting in the sun, gelling for the one lover that you want to take home. As opposed to the callbacks in the chorus, seems like little callbacks in the verses that uh-huh. aren't like, you know, peppered so vocals. It was, it seemed like a nice fit to me. Mm. Credit to the guitar hits. Very fun. Speaking of the chorus and getting different vocals in between the lines, he says, check in for bikinis and then baby, baby, but he sounds like he's doing it with fish lips. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Princess fish lips make a first appearance on the show. I just, uh, I can just like picture him having fun with this. That just seems like it should have been on disc one when we talked about Mr. Guppy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Guppy? It was Mr. Happy. Oh. But I'm saying because of fish lips, it would have been called Guppy. Mr. Guppy. Okay. Little guitar solo moment at two minutes and 14 seconds that I think inclo- includes a little vocoder. And the ultrasound heartbeat, but Prince is kind of singing along to his own guitar uh, work. Yeah, like at 2.27, I heard that. Yeah. He's like, whenever he imitates another instrument with his mouth, it's delightful. It is, especially here because it's hard to tell them apart. So I, I think he did a lot of that singing to his guitar solos, which is super cool. Uh, beginning of the next verse always confused me. Uh-huh. Um, I ha- Well, I wouldn't say it always confused me. I just realized recently that I had it completely wrong. The checking out Mahali, Mahalia's greatest in the upper room. Uh-huh. Checking out Mahalia's greatest in the upper room. In the Upper Room, I thought was a reference to Joe Kelly's The Upper Room. He's on NPR. He's a radio show host, okay. producer with like 25 years of experience on national public radio and um, has a podcast called now called Upper Room with Joe Kelly. Well, that's not what this is <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. And it's an interesting sort of reference Mm -hmm. in here in a song talking about Mm -hmm. unattached sex. Yes. Sex for the fun of it. Yes. Because Mahalia Jackson was a very influential gospel singer with a 40-year career. A truly fantastic but very religious song is in the upper room. Yep. And it seems a little... Out of place here until you realize, oh, yeah, this is the thing that Prince does with God and sex in a big circle. Yep. Completely. They go together very closely in his mind. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought it was fun as I was reading about Miss Jackson, mm-hmm. not Janet. She was invited to join a 50-member choir that was formed by... Her church pastor's sons, there were three of them, Wilbur, Robert, and the third one's name was Prince. Really? Correct. They performed as a quartet, the Johnson Singers, with Prince Johnson as the pianists, and it was Chicago's first black gospel group. Wow. 
Well, that's cool. I don't even know if Prince knew that. That's cool. Of course, he wasn't going by that now. Right. At the time of the song. Right. Prince and Rhonda working on a new song mm-hmm. is so fulfilling to Prince that it feels like sex in the summer. It has the same sort of feeling to him as that joy and release that one might get from such a dalliance. But yeah, yeah, I just thought that was fun. Yeah. I do wonder if any of them had a Honda (laughs) or if it was just picked to rhyme with Rhonda. (laughs) I'm not sure, but Kirk Johnson gets a call out here too. Mm -hmm. When Kirk calls, Hope we get together soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, improvising all through the night. It'll be just like having uh-huh. sex in the summer. Yeah. All right. With my boy, Kirk Cole, singing, Hope we get together soon. Inspire the Honda and pick up Rhonda. We can jam on a brand new tune. Improvise all through the night. It'll be just like having sex in the summer. Oh, There's some really... Fun keys at the end of this third or fourth chorus. Like at three minutes and 14 seconds, there's mm. some little keys right there that are really, really fun. Okay. Yeah. So not only religion, sex, and maybe peace around the world at three minutes and 18 seconds, uh, where this takes another twist. Can you feel the new day dawning? All believers will see an end to suffering and every disease. Can't you feel the new day dawning? All believers will see an end to suffering and every disease. Yeah, that felt to me very much like the same kind of reference as Mahalia Jackson. Mm, yeah, Where it's you're right. believers... Yep. Who are going to see this and that every waking hour will soon be spent kissing each other, angelic sisters and brothers. Yep. Every waking hour will soon be spent kissing each other, angelic sisters and brothers. Clap your hands So it felt like the same kind of reference, but a little more personal. Yeah, yeah. It right? was just like the song never struck me as a quandary until <laughs> yeah. like sitting here reading lyrics, listening to it. And I'm like, okay, what? we've got your baby's heartbeat, you know, conceived out of, you know, a monogamous relationship, uh-huh. if you believe Prince, and then a s- entire season of, you know, getting out your black book. Because you've got an emergency need to get it on. Uh huh. And we're going to cure all diseases and praise the Lord. Uh huh. That they, they don't all kind of, you know, I can see the connection between religion and sex that sure. Prince goes to a lot, but I don't know that I can see the connection between religion, sex, and curing humanity. Y- yeah. Is it's a little um, trying to pull too much in. Maybe so. Yeah. The, in the last chorus at three minutes and 55 seconds after checking for bikinis, there's some falsetto, falsetto vocalizing that's really nice there. And I think that the part two of the song, which then includes Kirk, Rhonda, Cat, 
starts a cat Dyson, not cat Glover starts around four minutes and 28 seconds as it enters a more instrumental extended ending. Yeah. And kind a of guitar- a musical coda. Yeah, yeah. A guitar solo. And we talked about this, I think a lot on disc one where there was a lot of songs that seemed to like come to an end. And then we got this musical coda at the end, which seemed, uh-huh. um, you know, great for the listener because you get more prints, but also like this calculated, I got to hit the 60 minute mark. And, uh-huh. So, right, but not in a thoughtful enough way that you don't notice it. Yeah, well, not when you. I guess maybe it would have worked like if you hadn't made such a big deal out of maybe. out of it. Like if I just noticed on my own, like disc one's exactly sixty minutes. That's kind of interesting. And then I noticed it on disc two, noticed it on disc three, but it was like made into this tenant of the release that it's the album I was born to make, and uh-huh. it's a reference to the early civilizations and. Maybe a little over-promising there. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a scream and a mm-hmm. buh 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 in the left channel at 5 minutes and 44 seconds, which I thought was really fun. It was fun. So... I don't mean to poop all over sex in the <laughs> summer. That's a different kind of fetish for a different season <laughs> at all. It was just, I mean, I never minded the song. I always found it, you know, certainly after the first year of owning the album. And then you kind of understood, oh, they did have a child. And there was this abnormality and tragic death and kind mm-hmm. of destroyed the relationship after a few years and right. so I never really kept coming back to the song much because it kind of made me sad and yeah. it was one of those times when he did something very personal and might have I don't know, part of him might have wished he hadn't done that to expose it all and another part of him maybe thought you know, music lives forever so my right. child will live forever this way too, even though he did not get much of a life. Right. I always thought it was um, interesting that he included that because he was such a personal and mm-hmm. personally private person, though he always said you could get to know him through his music. It was yeah. almost autobiographical in that way. Mm-hmm. Like you got to see different aspects of him, even if things weren't exactly autobiographical, you could kind of see his perspective and things. I think that's probably what made me the most sad about it was that... I mean, of course, it was a tragedy that his child passed so quickly, but he was excited to share that part of his life with listeners. Yep. And well, like transform Paisley Park into a you know, put a playground up and uh-huh. had a nursery and was kind of embracing it. And like, you know, I mean, far be it from Prince to go headfirst into something, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> he certainly did. And in this case, it was. You know, very, very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think we should probably look at this particular disc in this album as like maybe kind of the Maite album. That's kind of how it's often been uh, referred to. It's kind of like the progression of a relationship. Yeah. Is how it it seems. So it's interesting to kind of look at that. Look at this sure. disc in that light. Definitely and- true, especially when you consider the last track on this album, friend, lover, sister, mother, wife uh-huh. is kind of this definition of who he, she was to him right after this buildup. So I think that's definitely fair. Yeah. 
In the meantime, Uh we got to take it slow, baby. Yeah, one kiss at a time. I don't know how you would get three kisses at a time if there were only two of you. (laughs) (laughs) But I get what he's saying here. Four minutes and 41 seconds Mm. of one kiss at a time. Another extremely short entry into Prince Vault on this song. It's just like, here's where we think it was recorded. Prince plays every instrument, sings every vocal. And yeah. it's on Emancipation. Yeah, that's that's all we know. <laughs> that's all we know. <laughs> and the exactly. liner notes don't tell us much more. Okay. Come on, getcha, come on. Yeah, which okay. he actually says in the song. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's in the liner notes. Was there anything else in the words and pictures book? There is a words and pictures Emancipation tour book that actually includes lyrics, which the no, he's kissing his own hand. Not behind mm. tropical plants and in a sunset. All right. All, this, all the digital art by Steve Park there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It struck me revisiting this song. I, I mean, again, I'll say this disc of Emancipation is not one that I would listen to from start to finish very often. Sure. Come back and hit my own personal highlights. And hearing this, it never really struck me how much of a very clear extension of Prince's ballad stylings this is. Like if you go back and start with When Two Are In Love, continuing through Insatiable and Damn You and One Kiss At A Time, all are cut from very, very similar cloths. Yes, I agree. So one of the audio hallmarks of the song is this Kind uh-huh. of song it, that right. starts at six seconds. Yes. Come and get your come on. That I sometimes forget about also. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what really like, without that, this song really is one of those other sure. ballads. And this is set apart a little bit by other little flourishes. Flourishes and experimentations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he says, come and get you come on. It's that feels a little like come from 1994. Yeah. Just a little bit of that. I know it's just beyond it just saying the word come. It evokes something that I think is a theme during his and Maite's relationship, at least in the early parts of it. Yeah. 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 It was certainly an invitation to come feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Also like a realization admission slash he always knew this the OIC uh-huh uh you know it's almost like oh oh I see but uh-huh. oh I oh I see like he already knew it <laughs> oh I see this is what you wanted is he being coy or did he just realize something i think you know it is part of prince's stylings to also come across as Surprised by something, but he really knew it all along. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, he knew what she wanted mm-hmm. all along. And it was not to stack multiple kisses on top of one another. It was <laughs> to take them in their singular fashion. There's that that echoey guitar jab that you said that mm-hmm. uh, is very singular to this song. Yeah. 
it does have a bit of a 70s vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can tell, particularly in his ballads, how influenced he was in the early part of the 70s by music that was popular at the time. Because yep. I would say one of the things that all of them have in common, even though this one has that little guitar bit that sets it apart, they all have sort of a 70s sort of sound to them. Yeah, even going back to Get Your Groove On, we talked about that. Sure. You know, having this kind of just feel-good, earth, wind, and fire uh-huh. kind of feel to it. But I think his ballads in yeah. particular tend mm-hmm. to have a bit of a 70s vibe to them yep. uh, overall. And even though that little bit is something unique to this song and to this ballad, it still has that almost that same kind of roots to it. True. And that was more true the later into his career you got. I Agreed. think his ballads, like the beautiful ones, sounds nothing like 70s soul ballads. Right. But later on, he kept coming back to influences then trying to make something... I'm not saying it wasn't his own sound because it was a unique blend of his own, you know, experiences. But it is interesting that like the later you get, I don't want to say it's less inspired. No. But I think he appreciated good old music in a way. Almost like he's looking back nostalgically Mm -hmm. at those early days of his sexual awakening the early days of his career yeah you know he's he's it's almost like he's pulling from that because it's a comfortable place not that mm-hmm. it can't be beautiful and amazing and original but it's got that kind of influence because that's where he felt comfortable that's where he felt most excited about what was to come, which is really what ballads usually are Mm -hmm. is either I'm sad that you're gone or I'm excited about what's to come. Sure. What's to come and get you come on. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting language about, I mean, some of this is a little religious also. Every man has got a duty and tonight I want to do mine. Mm Yes, he recognizes that it's a duty to, you know, satisfy uh-huh. his partner sure. and be there for her, but also saying, I want to do mine. You know, if you want to do it, it's not really a duty anymore. Right. It's a desire, not a duty. Right. And I thought that uh, talking about her grand design. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much religious. Very yeah. seems religious, you know, a very not... Oh, you're designed perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. All makes up the beauty of your grand design. Right. You don't get much into the architecture of the human body normally. Right. So this is definitely one of those reflective moments. Sure. And um, I even think while it's very sweet, forget your every single fear. Mm-hmm. Also, is a little patriarchal. Okay. A little bit of like, I'm here to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we don't all want and desire protection. Yeah. But yeah. It is a little, and that is a typically 
religious sort of for sure situation for sure well i mean that's i think that is you see that in prince music a lot too like i'm going to take care of you protect you even going back to big tall wall Uh it being in a disturbing way (laughs) to being a sweet way this is a little sweeter Uh you know i hesitate to even say it but um some of the same flavor from adore is here at least with the falsetto and soulful mm-hmm. singing, which we just mentioned, his inspiration and devotion, mixed with a you know his standard ballad formula, which I would say ran from like eighty eight to ninety eight. There was a ten year run there where you could say, oh, that's that's a Prince ballad. Yeah, and then we get another kind of connection between amazing sex and ushering in of utopia, which we kind of got in Sex in the Summer where believers would live to see, you know, in sex in the summer would live to see the cure of all disease and making out with angels. Right. You know, we get that again. If every man could love their woman, the way that I love you, time would stop and the sky would fall and all could see the glory of what true love can bring. It is going to bring about utopia because their sex is so great. Yeah. Um, Of course, he's singing it from his point of view, but I also thought you could sing if every person could love someone the way that I love you, Uh it would even be more world changing. Sure. You know what I mean? Although this is, he can't get out of his own way of seduction in a song like this. So it makes sense the way he sings it, but... As I was listening to him, like, oh, it's not just about a man loving his woman, which is a little possessive, but uh-huh. also on brand. Right. But it's more of a, you know, we all should be able to love someone this way. Right. And that would really be the way that time would stop and the sky would fall. Is that yes. what it is? Yes. Yeah, so there's a little uh, one kiss at a time, chicken little. <laughs> <laughs> There's a stuttering of eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, it's like an orgasm. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But yes, the I got to please. Uh-huh. I'm begging you, please. Yeah. yeah. And then I wondered, um, I got to stay on this Valentine. wondered if that was a reference to him and Maite getting married on Valentine's Day of 1996. Yep. That year. Yeah. I mean, for someone who didn't believe in holidays and, you know, all this stuff to oh, get married on a... later. Ish. Um, but, yeah. I just thought it was a little, little tad bit schmaltzy sure. to get married on Valentine's Day. But, you know, whatever works, man. Could have fit into the schedule. So that's when it happened. Right. 
And then this song has a very, very long fade, but it does not bother me because it fits thematically. It fits the way that the next song kind of starts, too. Yes. I thought, even though they don't overlap, there's not a crossfade. Yeah, I would say that the fade out on a ballad bothers me less. Sure. Less points off sure. for ballad fading. Yes, but this, it feels right mm-hmm. thematically because it's about taking your time and drawing things out yeah. and really enjoying the experience for all of its joy. Yes, it's every moment strung together, not, mm-hmm. you know, don't overlook any single detail. Sure, probably maybe a little different than what you might experience in sex in the summer. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But like you said, if you look at it as a story of growth, then there's certainly some progression from track one to track two. For sure. So points for growth there too. Sure. Next up is Soul Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Liner notes, beautiful lyric by Sandra. Speaking to the heart, reflections live forever in mirrors. And this was written as Sanctuary by Sandra St. Victor, Johnny Kemp, and Tom Hammer, with the last two not being credited on this album. Yeah. Um, the inaccurate credits caused a rift between Sandra and Prince, but ultimately she didn't end up suing, and she did release her own version of Sanctuary in 2018. And it has some additional lyrics, and it's a very different experience, but also very interesting. You can hear that on Bandcamp, and I'll put the a link to that on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains in the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or if you don't do the socials but would still like a link, send me an email to tmatspodcast at gmail.com and I'll be happy to send you a link to whatever you're looking for. I'm sure that in our um, alternate and unreleased portion of the Emancipation podcast, we will probably... Listen to that. Oh, sure. And compare, contrast. Sure. sure. See what Sandra was up to here. So this is, again, outside of the writing input, this is 100% all the artist formerly known as Prince on vocals and instruments. Right. And For I sure. think very, very pretty instrumentation. It has such charming percussion mm-hmm. and really pretty keys. And I do have to say that... I prefer this song in headphones Okay. over other ways of listening to it. I was listening it, to it in the car the other day and found that I did not appreciate the charming percussion of Soul Sanctuary in the car nearly as much. It was almost a little irritating in the car, whereas mm-hmm. in headphones, it's delightful. Well, you are driving in Texas, so the... <laughs> Irritation might be sourced from elsewhere, but I see what you're saying. It has a very, I don't know, almost Disney-like flavor to it. Like you're on some family-friendly Disney ride is oh. kind of what I what I felt. Oh, okay. With just the percussion and the instrumentation, sure. almost like the... It's, a, it's got a very innocent and charming mm-hmm. sort of sound to it. Yeah, yeah yes. by design. Right? Yes, and then it has... Indeed, some beautiful lyrics. It does. Unbothered by the chaos swirling around 
outside in your arms is where I want to live and die. Mm-hmm. And it's delivered in just this beautiful falsetto. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but I think there's a lot of agreement that mid-90s to late-90s was kind of Prince at his vocal height, where nothing was hard. Right. Um, And that's how this sounds, too. Like a single take and then some layering of vocals, and it was done, but it's this very beautiful lyrical vocal delivery mm-hmm. pretty lyrics and pretty singing mm-hmm. all come together and there there's an echo on the right side throughout all of this so just to try it out i'm like well let me pan everything to the left and just listen to the reverb on his vocals It is a very interesting experience to pan at one direction or the other uh, because the reverb is very clearly in the left channel where his primary vocals are in the right. Now, see, he put in the credits that somebody else wrote this Mm -hmm. and thematically you can tell it's like, Sex in the summer as they meet. Yep. One kiss at a time. They're safe for every special they're, moment. Yes, they're they're learning to appreciate one another physically. And now here they are, they realized their connection is beyond physical. It includes the physical, but it is more than that. It is a sanctuary for the soul, a right. refuge. And you know what he didn't have to do? He didn't have to say that the words of another would work out. Yo. Oh. <laughs> well, did we decide, did we look up, was that in the original Betcha by Golly Wow, or is no, that him ad-libbing that was at the him end? him ad-libbing it. It was not okay. in the original All right. song. All right. Sorry. I'm trying to defend a man here. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. He did not have to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at times I find this a little sing-songy because the melody you know, that he's singing matches what's happening in the song. Uh-huh. Also, there's a lot of parallel okay. things happening there. But it's a little too matchy-matchy for maybe, you. Maybe a little, but the, the taking it all in and just appreciating it for, you know, a simple song sure made it okay to me. Okay. All right. Okay. And then another song where we intertwine sex and faith over and over, your screams are like a prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over and over, your screams are like a prayer. Man, when he sings in the dark, you are there at two minutes and 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. In, in the dark, the word in, he starts at a pretty high falsetto and then climbs even higher by the time he gets to the word dark. That just struck me as kind of jaw-dropping as far as vocal range goes. If you told me to even start where he does on the word in and climb from there, I'd be like, here's here's my towel. 
<laughs> Here are my socks. I'm out. No way. Can't be done. Can't be done. So you find it a little sing-songy or almost. I found it like deceptively complicated. Like it sounds pretty simple because the lyrics and the vocals are sort of matchy-matchy. But then there's all these things going on. There's like these little touches of innocence like there's a xylophone and a very clear light piano and it really adds to both the complexity and simplicity it's adds to the simplicity of the sound but it makes it even more complicated musically, I found it really interesting and effective. Okay. I'm not saying I didn't like it for that reason, but it does. I mean, there's definitely complicated musical things happening all over the place, but the main way that he sings is a really just right on top of a lot of the instrumentation in many parts that just kind of struck me as a, I mean, that's kind of like the gateway drug to samey, (laughs) samey. Oh, see, and I felt like that was such an interesting, intentional choice to give it this lightness and uh, maybe, uh, you know, in the story of the disc, the Mm -hmm. relationship started salaciously and here it is becoming more pure and beautiful. Way to go. Make me sound stupid. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Um, And then he, there's the spot. Three minutes and 45 seconds. I know right where you're going. Oh, would you like to say it? No, you okay. say it. Okay. Well, he is, he goes deep while uh-huh. maintaining a falsetto. Yep. It is sorcery. Yeah, the word, you know, intoxicates intensively. Yeah, huh. Where the love we make intoxicates intensively. And he goes from a falsetto to a deep tone, but still falsetto. Yeah. I don't it's know. like this baritone falsetto witchcraft like, that happens there. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you're definitely right. That's one of the prettiest moments in these six songs for sure. Agreed. And we get a proper end. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. appreciated no padding of this one that's right (laughs) whatsoever there's no like coda that doesn't seem to fit yeah well the sex in the summer took care of that so your soul (laughs) could find its sanctuary there you go and be concise there you go next up is a relatively short song Mm -hmm. email yep not the kind that you get in outlook or but, Gmail, but but that is in the it in is, the story. It is, but it's E M A L E. Sure. Which I'm sure Prince in 1995, 1996, as he started using email, which uh-huh. we know he did, immediately saw. Oh, I could. There's a word I can play with, <laughs> and thus the song was born. The liner notes re-recorded in Minneapolis after New York paved the way. Thanks, Shiva. What that is well the in principle vault they said that 
the instrumentation started as a jam session between okay. Prince and his band, Brian Lynch, Michelle Negacello. Okay. And that was recorded in July at Battery Studios in New York and then re-recorded here. So I think that, that those liner notes kind of give credit to that jam session. Sure. Producing this. So um, it's, it's Prince on everything except for trumpet being Brian Lynch, a sax by Eric Leeds, and Cat Dyson on guitar. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the URL in the chorus, mm-hmm. www.email.com, yeah. is for sale. Oh, it is for sale it now? It is for sale. The minimum offer the Canadian seller is willing to consider is approximately 51000 US dollars or 48000 euro. All right. I mean, you would have to have a real reason to want that, to bother. Yeah. Because no normal music listener in the world knows about this song. (laughs) (laughs) It's buried in the middle of disc two of a three CD set. Sure. Sure. By Prince. And it was at one point owned by the Prince camp, was part of a suite of websites. I guess they abandoned it as they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, quickly moving on to the next thing, right? Right. The domain renewal wasn't at the top of Prince's priority list. We do get very cool drums, gotta say, at the beginning of this, and almost black sweat-like synths. Yeah, Some piercing synths. Uh-huh. It may be one of the first instances of that musical technique or approach on a Prince song. Absolutely. But you, you don't care for it. I, I kind of like it. It didn't bother me as much in this song. Okay. Um, because it's it was also complemented by somewhat deep Prince vocalization at the beginning. Okay. Also, like, so there's something to offset the pierciness of the synths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Oh, the early days of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Email left so clearly upon a computer screen. Email left so clearly upon a computer screen. Like, like, so did she get an email or did somebody leave the email up for her to see? Because. Yeah. Yeah. Left so clearly upon a computer screen. Like Which, it was left open. It, right. That's how yeah. I would read it now. Yeah, that's true. But. Like, set your screensaver sooner and lock your computer when you get up and leave. Right. Lady. <laughs> or dude. <laughs> Do, yeah. Whatever. Like almost like the person that got the email left it open and she happened to see it. Right. Yes. Happened upon it. Uh huh. But I don't know that that's how he understood it because I could see like in 1996, like it was left upon her computer screen because somebody sent her the email. Yes. Yeah. She read it and then got up or whatever. Gosh, this is why I, I mean, listening to this again today, I kept thinking, is this, well written, or is it confusing because it's not well written? I haven't made a decision on that yet. Okay. Yeah. So the email left so clearly upon a computer screen, so vague there as uh-huh. to whose computer screen it was, read like a threat that crept into her like a sex machine. So. Screen, read 
crept into her like a sex machine. Clearly, a woman read it. Right. We don't know that it was intended for her, though. Right. Wanted any woman whose first name begins with a Z. Right, which obviously hers must have. I guess. Yes. And then, so did she reply to an email that wasn't meant for her? Or did she reply to this email because it was addressed to her? From the sound of the keys, a pawn makes a move. From the sound of the keys, a pawn makes a move. Her reply brings on the groove. So was she being yeah. played and didn't know what she was getting into? Yeah, I think I that's why I kind of think that it was early days of the internet and he it was an email sent to her because she is a pawn in a game. Okay. Which, you know, also uh, you know, back when we thought internet dalliances were like a chess game. Well, that's we, true. we have the from the sound of the keys, a pawn makes a move to the king takes a pawn. Yeah. King takes a pawn. Internet dalliances are not chess moves. Yeah. Well, then they were, but there there was no, you know, Facebook, social media, right. Tinder. Yeah, none of whatever. this stuff happening. Yeah. I and do so in a, in a way I think that the song dates itself in the way that you refer to because you know you don't watch tv toyotathon learn more at www.toyota.com uh-huh. you don't have to say that right but that wasn't that common here right. so the song is dated in a way to me that way but there was an understanding of kind of how it worked uh-huh. on his part, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, in the chorus with horns and synths all kind of smashed together with the way that he sang www.email.com. Uh-huh, right. And there's some interesting percussion there that's like kind of sharp and it almost sounds backmasked mm-hmm. right there. It's really interesting. I did not realize, I don't know what I thought that he was singing here. He couldn't wait to tell her until after he got to nail her. Her love would only even the score. Okay, it's not nail her. All it's, right. If he couldn't wait to tell her till after he got the Nella. N-E-L-L-A, the Nella. Nella, N-E-L-L-A. And I'm like, is this like slang for email that didn't catch on? Because I don't know what Nella is. I don't either. I in my head I always sang Nella, but uh-huh. thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't and make sense, but listening that's what's to this, the lyric no, book. It rhymes with fella. It does. But I don't know what that means. Till after he got the Nella. I don't know. Uh-huh. Was there a was there a Manila envelope involved? <laughs> a vanilla ice I cream. I think I think it was slang that for a reply for a reply or an email that didn't catch on that he made up. 
and it's just some hacking of like Apple Mail so that the reply button now says Nella, Nella. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, then we get this tap dancing accent, which is delightful and so weird. It is, but you also hear it. We haven't gotten there yet, but you hear that in Joint to Joint. Okay. Which we'll cover in our next episode. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a indication of what's to come. There's specifically some tap dancing and the dancers are identified, but yes. And then there's some like rubbery bass mm-hmm. in the right channel as well. That yeah. was so interesting. Very enjoyable. I just this so, entire verse perplexed me. First of sure. all, not understanding it correctly didn't help. <laughs> In the darkest corners where widows mourn, that's mm-hmm. where he whispered her name. In the darkest corners where widows mourn, that's where she whispered her name. He said, We can do it here, my dear, but I feel your tears will fall like rain. So he went to a place where there are women who lost their husbands because of death and whispered the name of this person whose name starts with a Z uh-huh. and said, we can do it here, my dear, but I fear your tears will fall like rain. Oh, I think it's uh, because she's being used. I think he's encouraged this woman to cheat on her yeah. Significant other. Like a tale boyfriend. of revenge, right? Right, He's exactly. trying to get back at this other man. Right. And so she thinks she's going into this as a relationship that may flourish into something okay. and replace the boyfriend. And he knows that ain't never going to happen. I, that I understand. I just, because I don't get the line in the darkest corners where widows mourn. Oh, well, there are people who've lost name. their significant other. They've lost their spouse. She's about to lose her spouse because they're going to, and her tears are going to fall like rain because she's going to realize she was used. Okay. Yeah, the, the clearness of this being a revenge, a story of revenge comes next, right? Mm-hmm. Because I must tell you, when I'm while I'm deep in your smell, so uh-huh. the act of lovemaking of some kind, right? You got the man I want to inflict with pain. I'm running a game with my paper. I'm turning the boy to vapor. Now I want to do the same to you. Uh huh. Because I must tell you, while I'm deep in your smell, you got the man I want to inflict with pain. I'm running a game with my paper. I'm turning the boy to vapor. If you don't tattoo my name upon your train. If you don't tattoo my name upon your train. So in other words, like, she has maybe a chance to have a relationship with him, but only if she's willing to make a, basically a lifelong commitment. Yeah, permanent. Yeah. There are synths that happen there, like at 2 minutes and 18 seconds, a sound... Like they're quacking like a duck. Whack, whack, whack <laughs> under if you don't tattoo uh-huh. my name up on your train. So for what I struggle to understand, I don't know, due to my stupidity or just due to this being purposely vague, I still got the 
the duck synths. <laughs> Feel pretty good about that. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's a little perplexing, and I don't see how it quite fits in with the whole narrative. Yeah, very out of place. Right? I mean, but it's so catchy. It's embarrassingly catchy because <laughs> I don't want to go around singing <laughs> www. <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly now, uh-huh. right? Right. So, I mean, I get that, you know, an album takes you in unexpected directions sometimes, and we sometimes complain when you don't get that unexpected twist sure. or something of that nature. But here it seems so very planned out. This is very linear story on this disc. And here's this... Out of place. Very out of place, odd technology centric seduction revenge tale mm-hmm. it's shoved right in the middle yep and it's an interesting kind of positioning because we go from this sort of very electronic sort of sound to a song that almost sounds like it's from the renaissance yeah, to me, The Curious Child, the next yes. track. Yes. I thought there are parts of it that sound a little like the Rainbow Children sure. also. But yes, like a freaking Renaissance festival where mm-hmm. there are jesters and ukuleles. Uh, <laughs> yes. A simple ballet for an old friend or tomb whoever it may concern. A simple ballet? I or don't know. Ballet? I wrote that. No, a simple ballet for an old friend or to whomever it may concern. Hmm. We covered to whom it may concern, a Mm B-side to the song Seven, actually. Hmm. But I think that was a phrase that Prince just liked to use. Um, Sure. Um, It almost sounds like a lullaby. It does. We get some thunder. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, the guitar is very Renaissance-sounding. I tried to figure out what kind of instrument it sounded like. I think it's guitar, but I think it's made to kind of sound like a lute or a viol. V-I-O-L was another Renaissance-era instrument that had a similar sort of sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, boy, I really hope child is used metaphorically here me too because you, i mean but I don't it's know. not i mean it like <laughs> what you know, the first time you hear child don't spoil I'm like, it up front this is i hope this is metaphorical and like very shortly thereafter um n- no it's yeah. it's not uh he defends yeah the i was careless to caress thee yet never regretted the time The joy that we shared, it was meant to be, and not a crime. The joy that we shared, it was meant to be, and not a crime. Yeah, I just kept, I mean, lyrically, again, I'm unsure, and it's vague. And of course, it was however long, 26 years ago. 
but maybe recounting an encounter with an underage might he? Uh-huh. That's what that's, I get. That's what I get, too. Whereas, yeah. you know, they were both pretty adamant that uh, the relationship wasn't consummated until after she was 18. And I'm like, mm, this seems like confession time. Yeah. But he also defends it with the very first line, in a room full of harlots and fantasy. To me, that's uh-huh. like... There was no one in the in this place that was pure or right. innocent of anything. Right. So therefore, we took the dare. In a room full of harlots and fantasy, destiny beckoned us there. Curious child on the balcony, we took the dare. I don't know, at 43 seconds and 45 seconds, there's a woman moaning yes. also. Perhaps a curious child moaning? Oh, it's squeaky. But, you know, we get this interlude in the middle that is simple but packed with instruments. It's very interesting. Yeah, actually very orchestrated, full of strings and piano and guitar. So, you, I mean, I guess the strings are all synthesizers because Prince plays all vocals and instruments and you don't hear about him playing violins very often. No. Yeah. No, no. And then it ends with a full min- minute of instrumental Yeah. that's also pretty and innocent and mournful and hopeful. It's a lot of emotions. So the vocal delivery is very pretty. It is. It's super well sung and the music is also delightful. It's gorgeous. But the message is troubling, right? Oh, oh, so troubling. I'm yeah, like, or, I mean, oh, if this I is how you feel, it's almost one of those things where like, you got to keep that to yourself. That's right. Don't say the quiet part out loud. That's right. Your inside your own head voice is the kind of voice you should be using here. That's right. Or leave this one, just leave this one off the album. I get that it it's kind of thematically, we don't need to know this. Yeah. It also reminded me, and maybe it's just that last line, do you care? Curious child, you are on my mind. Do you care? Uh-huh. Reminded me of Do You Lie? And the oh. instrumentation from Under the Cherry Moon okay. also. You do, do you think of me or do you lie, do you lie? Which is an album parade that we have yet to cover, uh, but we will. So there's a little similarity there to Do You Lie and the way that it was kind of this carefree, pretty, and short track. Sure. Um, but it did not have lyrics that conjured images that this does. Right. Who? It's tough. Yeah, I'm thankful that it is short. Yes. Because uh, I'm ready. I'm like, ooh, get me, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and it does, kind and it kind of runs into "Dreaming About You" that sure. almost sound like they were recorded in a single session, but that's unknown at this point. Right. Yes, and this is the last song that we're going to talk about today. Uh, The liner notes for Dreaming About You, Addictions Are Many. Okay. So this takes off, and there is like a, is it a triangle? This that repeats through the entire song. Okay. 
it's almost like I hate sometimes that we do this podcast because I like will focus on this one little piece and then I can't hear the song <laughs> without like this incessant. It's like an Edgar Allan Poe heartbeat it's under just the floor. Louder for you, yeah, yes, throughout the whole thing. So that's my own problem. That's not a problem with this, but we do get some of the I don't know nicest spoken word poetic type sure. thing mixed in with more falsetto singing sure here that i find i'm, I'm maybe it's just coming off of the previous song i'm <laughs> very glad to be dreaming about you uh-huh. rather than acting on these things and defending it in ways that would keep you out of jail right so maybe some strategic positioning here of dreaming about you sure Reminding me a little bit of a song that came up in our one second challenge to Strange But True. Okay. Which is sort of spoken throughout the entire song. And this is that also. I mean, Prince did it a bit, not often though. Sure. Every time I do what I need to do. Every time I do what I need to do. I can't stop dreaming about you. So he's, this is definitely a solo nocturnal activity, right? Yes. Okay. You are correct. I think that it is about, because this is all about him being alone in his room. Right. And then. And masturbating to the idea of her. Correct. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, And also even just the rising falsetto on the word do. Uh Uh-huh. Like he had a habit of turning like somewhat. Suggestive, yeah, words. suggestive things into these pretty moments that further hide what he's really saying. And I think that happens there, and that's okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Exactly. Um, Natural human activity. That's right. It happens. Yeah. I thought you know we talked about in one of our recent episodes that you know isn't every song poetry? And yes, undoubtedly so. Uh-huh. But you know. He speaks it here uh-huh. in a very poetic way, revolving around every word that is spoken, like the planets around the sun. I want you. Uh-huh. Your tongue is a great persuader. Yeah, you got me sold. Revolving around every word that is spoken, like the planets around the sun. I want you. Your tongue is a great persuader. Yeah. I like the line, your tongue is a great persuader. Not sure. you and yeah. your mind and the words coming out of your mouth, but right. you're reducing it down to just the way you shape uh-huh. your tongue. Right. Yeah. And whether that's, yeah. it can words have a or, lot of, right. Yeah. yeah. Words or. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. Words yes. or. And I thought that was uh, interesting to talk about how um, she is basically his solar system. Mm-hmm. And do the planets really want the sun or it's just an irresistible force? It's kind of an interesting way to look at it as yes, obviously he wants her, but it's also this irresistible force that really expresses the expansiveness of his desire and care towards her. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, is there anything more Prince than him saying, when I'm alone in my room just watching a rose, uh-huh. I dream about you? When I'm alone in my room just watching a rose, I dream about you. Who just sits and looks at a rose? Well, 
when you have time, money, and uh-huh. studios, and you can have a freaking camel in Minnesota <laughs> in in January. Heck yeah, you can watch a rose. Uh huh. Yeah, but I think sure. it's just this observation, right? I'm observing this thing of beauty, and all I can think of is Y-O-U. Uh-huh, right. And it's interesting, because you might look at a rose, you don't really watch a rose. That's true, just watching a rose. I hadn't thought about that, just looking at a rose, just watching right. a rose. I mean, but it's like, I'm going to sit and spend enough time with this rose to watch it bloom. Mm-hmm. You, Typically, when you get flowers, like you look at them, you appreciate them, you enjoy them, you walk away for a little while and you come back and, oh, look, it's starting to open. Right. You don't watch it do that usually. Yeah. yeah. Or I like you wouldn't say to me, oh, Josh, you, thank you for the bouquet of flowers you got me. I watched them today. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> You'd be like, she's uh, crazy. What am I going to do? Yeah, Somebody how, help me. How do I get those back? <laughs> Why don't you watch me take those to the garbage? Eric Leeds and Prince together singing and saxophone in a minute and nine seconds. That if uh, There's a chorus there that he sings and Eric plays underneath him. And it's magical. Yeah. It takes you back to parade era Prince songs. Yeah. I can't stop dreaming about you. Dreaming about you. And every time I do what I need to do. And then he talks about his twins. He's a Gemini. Yes, a nod so, to his astrological sign that's, here. That's right. So he, it's interesting because he talks about the sane one and the lustier one. Yep. Now, they're both obsessed yep. with whom he's dreaming about, presumably Maite. But it's interesting that his quote-unquote sane twin is having some reservations about this obsession. Yeah. When my sane twin reigns, claiming your aim is to maim my subconscious into being with you. When my sane twin reigns, claiming your aim is to maim my subconscious into being with you. Yes, like so the reasonable half of me is telling me be careful you're just trying to take over my mind i think he might even have his two sides confused sure well and it's almost like he's got an angel and a devil and himself mm-hmm. right yeah. but they're both kind of devilish that's true well yeah mm-hmm. yeah i d- okay first of all the it's not alliteration. It's not rhyming, but the use of the long A sound there yeah. over and over again also comes off as a little disturbed. Sure. Right? Sure. Yes. When my Thanks. sane twin reigns. Uh-huh. So it's aim, like my whole maim. mind is taken over by the sane one uh-huh. claiming your aim is to maim my subconscious. Uh-huh. It, I mean, that is... That That's actually nuts. kind of brilliant writing because yes. you're clearly, you know, in your words talking about the part, the reasonable part of your personality, but it's almost like the insane one is the one who's observing it saying that one is the problem, Uh huh. you know? Right. 
yeah, internal maybe finger his pointing. Sane side isn't so sane after all. Well, or maybe his sane side is seeing something that he is incapable of. Yeah, or like because he's not part of it, right? There's the right. sane one, and then there's, there's well, the insane one. So if Oh, there's the sane one and the lustier one. Okay, that's right. So, But the lustier one would be the only one who could comment on what the sane one is doing, right? So you sure. only know about and can observe the sane one through the point of view from your lustier, lustier. half uh-huh. of your personality. Who is maybe not thinking as clearly as <laughs> they might should. Yes. Hmm. It is like the that old... A riddle. You move into a new town, Christy, and there's one, two, only two beauticians in the whole town. One has an awful haircut and one has a really good haircut. Which one do you go to to get your hair done? Oh, yeah. The one with the awful haircut. That's right. Because, because she goes to the one with the... She, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With the good haircut. She right. Cuts the she other gives one's hair. the other one the good haircut. Right. So it's almost like the, the lustier twin here is the... Maybe the one with a good haircut. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's don't, hard to know. It's hard to know. But it's still nice. And even like the the end of that whole little portion there, like the ruins of Rome, I'll lay helpless at your feet. Mm-hmm. Betting on the notion that if my lustier twin prevails, like the ruins of Rome, I'll lie helpless at your feet. Which is very like I'm a building that's been destroyed and there's nothing I can do to help myself. So, yeah, when I'm alone, I dream about you. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he expects her to be kind. Kind in the sense that one will come from all. If the inside is kind. Kind in the sense that one will come from all. And the wish that you wish will come true. And if he finds her not kind, she's going to fall but he's still gonna dream about her as the ideal yeah but if not we will fall I'll still be alone just dreaming about you like wow that's not a bar that's nearly impossible to vault over that's right if I've ever heard one I mean he is putting her on the pedestal and telling her if she falls off the pedestal, I'm still going to mm-hmm. masturbate to the idea that you're on the pedestal, even if I'm not with you anymore. It's not just a rose in his room either. He has a ball, like a medicine ball oh. on his stomach. He says, with this ball on my stomach, just dreaming about you. So, so I've thought, you know, is it like a literal ball, a toy or something that he's just rolling around on himself as he's lost in these thoughts or is his stomach twisted up? Uh-huh. Into a ball. Yeah. Because of how obsessed he is with her and her beauty. Yeah. I don't know. Alone. Just dreaming about you. This ball. My stomach just dreaming about you. I mean, you said that we had a kind of a, a renaissance type song earlier. Uh-huh. Curious and, Child, yes. And, yeah. And then here, this is almost like... Shakespearean. Sure. So there's this, I mean, it is like literature. Yeah. Which seems like Prince was a very smart and very talented person. I mean, but do I put him on the same, you know, level as, uh, you know, an incredible order writer? Uh-huh. In some cases, yes, there was brilliance. But here I'm like almost shocked 
Uh, oh, sometimes uh, not because I think it's so great, but it is definitely thought provoking. And I wonder if he even realizes what he's saying or what it reveals about what's really happening inside him. It's so interesting because I don't know. I don't know if he ever really realized how revealing because if he knew how revealing Curious Child was, would he really put it on an album? On le- I mean, or he's like that, or it's did he been... find himself untouchable? Sure, there's no evidence of this, and she's not going to press charges against me. So, right. I mean, and maybe, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's confession time, and he felt comfortable enough. It's been, you know, whatever, however many years we're married now, oh, whatever. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't matter, or maybe he just didn't realize how incriminating and uncomfortable it was, because know. for him, it was this beautiful magical experience and not a crime and for us here is the listener especially here in 2023 it's troubling yeah it is but you know they saw themselves as intertwined they saw themselves as having crossed paths multiple times through many different incarnations yes so you could see how something like you're under 18 and i'm over 18 oh, that becomes less and less important the more you Go down that method of thinking. Sure. Yeah. They'd been together many lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who boy. Yeah. Who It's boy. got deep and kind of weirder than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> so I realize, again, we're not doing a mountain sea time capsule. We're saving that for next time when we get through the next six songs and can take the entire disc as a whole into account. But I did want to comment after listening to these six songs that my overall feeling here is this is obviously getting into the middle of a very long album but I feel like it can be middling at times like there's only two kind of mid-tempo songs and then four ballads yeah. a couple of which are a little I don't want to say disturbing but certainly eye-opening if you really start to read and comprehend what's being said sure. and wonder exactly what's being meant but we'll see where the disc goes from here in the next episode. Sure. Um, in, you know, the middle of a three disc expanse. That's right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you in a couple of weeks with our selections for this entire disc. And of course, discussion for the rest of the songs on this particular disc. We really appreciate that you have tuned in. We don't just come on the radio. You make a choice to listen to us and we really do appreciate it. Tell a purple friend and until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening. Even through the hard stuff. What? <laughs> You want to do it? Bell come whack. <laughs> <laughs>